Hey everyone, Anna Lytle here. And Kat Pusey. And welcome Welcome to to the the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op Podcast. We're here connecting you to the lives and stories of our local farmers, makers, and educators that are all dedicating themselves to positively and powerfully impacting the Southern Utah community. Today we are talking with Aubrey Salpaw of Desert Roots Apothecary. Aubrey is a certified herbalist who is living here in Southern Utah, and she strives to source as many of her herbs as locally as possible, and she really enjoys learning the healing powers of our local desert plants. And we recorded this episode before the brick-and-mortar store opened downtown, the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op. Um, so you can now find her products at the shop and also on our online market at moficomobile.com. And if you haven't had a chance to come visit the store yet, we are open Wednesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we are at 55 North Main Street in downtown St. George. And we had so much fun talking with Aubrey during this episode, and we will definitely have to have her back on to chat more because she is a wealth of knowledge and we barely cracked the surface in this episode. And before we get started, I would just like to mention that we have a Patreon set up for this podcast, and you can find that by going to Patreon and searching the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op. If you are following us on Instagram, we also have a link to that in our bio to make it super easy for you. And we just felt that this would be a good way to help cover the costs of like our editing software and the hosting service and all the equipment that we have to have to make this possible. And each episode takes about 10 to 15 hours to edit. So every little bit helps. We really do love bringing this podcast to you all. And we know it is a challenging time for everyone. So we, you know, we really understand that. But if you do feel the desire to even chip in $2 a month, it would mean so much to us. And once we get more supporters, then we can start rolling out the special swag. We're hoping we can have our local artisans make special stickers and magnets and maybe even hats and t-shirts for this podcast. So we have more ways to show our local support. All right, well, let's get talking with Aubrey. All right, so to start off, can you just give us some info on your background and then tell us how you got interested in herbalism? Yeah, so um, I really kind of feel like herbalism more like found me, which was really cool because, you know, I've for a while I've kind of like had this like lack of like passion in my life or something, you know, that I... I don't know, like I knew that I was missing something and, um, and it just honestly, like it just kind of popped up like an ad. It was just the end of last year, 2019. And an ad just kind of popped up on my, on my Instagram feed. I was like scrolling and it was kind of like, oh my God, what is this? (laughs) Like, how have I never heard of this before? And, um, anyway, I just started looking into it and I realized like how much it like would just cohesively fall into my life. So when you say like, it's all the things you love to do, like, do you, have you always kind of just leaned more towards like natural stuff or like, it was that like something that you conscientiously changed towards? Yeah, no. So like, um, I mean like always I've been really like connected to like 
mother nature and um when I was a kid I mean like in in grade school I was like you know um putting together like recycling programs and like yeah and I mean you know I just yeah I just always feel like I've been you know pretty conscious of what is going on with like our planet and wanting to be more connected to that and stuff so so that was, um, yeah, it just kind of fell into place. Are, you, are your parents like that? Or were you just like, were they like, where did this kind of come from? Yeah, no, they're not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, they're great. They're yeah. so great. But yeah, no, they're, um, no one in my family is really like that very much. I mean, my dad, he did grow up on a farm when he was younger up in Canada. And like, I remember like seeing pictures of the farm and being like, like one day I'm going to have eight kids and live on a farm. Now that's not the dream so much. I mean, I'd still love to live on a farm. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. But the herbalism part, like you didn't really study herbs before 2019. Okay. I mean, like, you know, I've always, I've always felt like, um, a little bit disconnected from like modern medicine. I've always known that like, um, you know, that like, healthy lifestyle and exercise is going to like heal me and and so then when I like found herbalism and I started learning about like really the science of the herbs and like how they like interact with your body systems and stuff like that it was like whoa this is so cool because so when I went to college I first went to college for psychology cool so I was really interested just like in the mind and how things work and like why we think the things that we do and that kind of stuff and um when I was going to school for psychology I had to take a science elective and I chose nutrition as my science elective because it was like really easy you know and I was like oh I'll just I'll just throw nutrition nutrition (laughs) (laughs) and um And then I just like fell in love with it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. You know, I've always been pretty like health conscious, I think since like, uh, like high school and stuff like that. I was like really aware of like, just like my body and how I wanted to feel and stuff. Um, But so then I ended up going up north, up at uh, Utah State to go to school for nutrition. And yeah, and then, um, yeah, it was, it was really awesome. And I was going to go into dietetics, become a dietitian. I really was like interested in just the body systems and, you know, how our bodies used our food. And, um, but then, you know, life happened. I got married and I had a baby and (laughs) that, all that stuff. So (laughs) Yeah, that'll take over your whole life. It does. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now, now that my son is like almost six, you know, I was like, um, you know, he's like at an age now where I can kind of start like focusing again on like my passions. And then like, yeah, like I said, when herbalism came into my life, it was like, whoa, because it was like this blend of psychology and nutrition and you know harmony with mother nature and just everything that I love and I was like what how did I not know this <laughs> that does seem like a perfect fit yeah. that really yeah, is like a really good cool. blend of all of those interests yeah. for sure yeah. and it's yeah. cool that you had that before yeah like the I nutrition side yeah I didn't know that you had gone for psychology or nutrition yeah yeah and I never finished it but um but now I you know just I mean maybe eventually like what I would like to do actually is, you know, get a degree in something that can kind of coordinate with herbalism because you can't, 
get like a degree in herbalism right now. Um, so, but, but yeah, I would like to find something that kind of like supports my herbalism and my herbalist background so that I can kind of give people even more in depth, uh, like information about how it all works, you know? (laughs) So then how would you describe like what being an herbalist means to someone who maybe isn't totally familiar with it? I think that, uh, being an herbalist is like, I mean, just someone who is kind of like going back to the roots of health and like taking, uh, you know, what's been given to us uh, and working with plants and and land in harmony and healing ourselves with it. You know, it's just we've been given these tools and, you know, herbalists are just, you know, they're teaching people how to use them and to take their health into their own hands, really, so that we don't have to rely on, you know, modern medicine and pharmaceuticals. And I guess before I get any further on that, too, is that, like, I want to make it clear, like, I totally appreciate modern medicine, and I it's saved lives in my family before, and, like, it totally has its place, and I'm grateful for it. But... um Herbalism, I think, kind of like, you know, it just empowers people to take care of themselves when they have something off with their body, rashes and coughs and colds, fevers. You know, you, you, can, you can heal yourself with whole plants. You don't have to take medicines that are destroying your insides and there's there's a lot of preventative stuff that you can do yeah like especially if you go to an herbalist first and you're noticing things or just even like i've noticed with all of your blends i'm like oh that's really cool that she has like these digestive formulas and if you can get on top of it and start healing your gut or start fixing things before you need to go to a doctor yeah yeah absolutely Yeah, that's really cool. Well, and I think also like a lot of herbs, like their food, you know, you think about a lot of herbs you can plant in your garden, like you can use those medicinally, but you can also just add them into your food and it's an extra bonus. Like I think some people get like kind of weirded out about like herbs, like, oh, is this going to hurt me? Mm -hmm. Obviously you have to be careful (laughs) because you can't overdo it. But just like anything, if you do anything in excess or use it the wrong way, like it's the same way with a lot of stuff yeah but I know a lot of people are like freaked out <laughs> well and it's interesting because you know like that that is like something I think that's against herbalists and the culture that we live in is that you know we are like so used as a society we're so used to like genetically modified food and chemicals in our food and that stuff's not scaring us but it's like right. terrifying to eat some dandelion root right you know and like that's just so backwards but it is like a concern that like i totally understand it's because it's not the norm you know we're not used to it but um and and yeah like the toxicity like it, it uh, you know, it can it can definitely like be a concern, and there are uh, poisonous plants out there that you know you you should avoid, or that you should definitely work with like a seasoned herbalist through them and stuff, and and like you know like through pregnancy there can be like different things that you have to be careful of because of the different like properties in the herbs can you know cause contractions and stuff like that. So there are things like to know, but. 
I think like the majority of herbs for the majority of people are quite safe. You know, it's like, it's like when it takes so much to really, and when it really becomes toxic is when you're like pulling out like, um, like specific constituents or chemicals from a plant and instead of using a whole plant, which has, you know, maybe some of those, those chemicals in it that would be toxic to a human, but they have other buffers and that's, it's, it's grown that way. It's designed that way to like be safe in whole, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. That is interesting. I never yeah. thought about it that way. Yeah. It's interesting because I remember like there was this, uh, when I was reading about essential oils, they were talking about how they would use essential oils to flavor sausages, mm. like in the like you know when it first came out, and because they were pulling those certain constituents out, that's what made people sick because mm-hmm. it was super concentrated. Yeah, and they I were know putting it pe- in there. I know some people who think that they're um, allergic to certain plants because they have a reaction towards the essential oils and essential oils are really great and I love them but yeah you do have to be just you know cautious and careful and also know that like if you're having a reaction to an essential oil it doesn't necessarily mean that you would have that reaction to the whole plant that's cool that is really interesting so it's like when we defy nature basically right? it gets back at us <laughs> but it's also you know what's really interesting is that a lot of like these painkillers and stuff like that the stuff that was originally based off of is plant constituents and they pulled them out and they've concentrated them and, and we synthesize them and there's so many side effects to having them you know like there's warning labels every medication you take has so many warning labels on it and i'm saying this as a person who takes medication <laughs> But like every medication you take has so many warning labels on it. And it's because it's a synthetic ultra concentrated version of what we used to take naturally and, and we're evolved to digest. Yeah. 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 It's actually one of my favorite parallels between like pharmaceuticals and herbalism to talk to people about because it kind of makes it, you know, a little bit more real for people. Like they realize like that they are in a way practicing herbalism when they're taking aspirin, you yeah. know, or You're something. You're not a witch. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I am. <laughs> no, there's like, uh, like, uh, what is it? Like, I think like 25% of our pharmaceuticals are derived from botanicals, you know? Yeah. And like things that are, um, you know, even like, like, like we were talking about, like those little constituents or the chemicals that would be toxic to us are pulled out of certain plants and put into like chemotherapy medication and they're buffered with something else. But it's, it's just, it's interesting. The white, uh, okay. So aspirin is made from the white willow bark and they pull out like a certain acid from that plant. And when they're making the aspirin, they have to like put something else in it that destroys our stomach lining. And like, yeah. And so if you're taking, that's why you had to be careful about how much aspirin you take and whatnot, you know? Um, but if you're taking white willow bark, I mean, you know, it all those buffers yeah, yeah, are there to protect your stomach lining. So, yeah. That is interesting. I just want to know who the first people were to test out all these plants. Right. Like, let's just give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Right. <laughs> Probably Native Americans. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with 
probably indigenous people that oh yeah had, but like, they had it of every culture yeah like, like all over the world they had herbs totally every ancient chinese yeah. herbalism we have ayurveda which is like indian herbalism but i'm sure it's yeah. all just based off of indigenous wisdom to that land whoever yeah. it is it's like okay yeah. ancestral knowledge yeah like these people have been using this because it you know like what was the one like the peruvians there was one where they used to smoke it because it would help their because they were such high altitude and it, they believed that it helped with their circulation mm-hmm. and it does and so they use it for um they like started taking all of that out as blood thinners and stuff like that mm-hmm. because it helps because they would smoke it at the high altitudes and to keep their circulation going and what's so crazy about that is like you know now we get to answer those questions because we have science but like before i mean that's just like intuition and just like really like paying attention to what's happening in your body and what's happening in the land around you which is just so beautiful that is cool well, that is weird actually that you point that out you're like they were basing this off of nothing just yeah. feeling well it's like that phrase i always think of the trust your gut yeah. like that adds so much more truth now that i know about like how like the gut brain connection yeah. like our gut controls our hormones like so much our immune system so that phrase trust your gut like i feel like that is intuition like if you can listen to your gut then you're good yeah our bodies are smart you know they get it (laughs) but by the time you know like some of like myself included by the time I started to realize that something was wrong like I was really shocked when you said you noticed in high school how your body started to feel Mm -hmm. because when I was in high school I was like I'm indestructible and I can do whatever I want it wasn't until I hit 30 after having Ira that I was like oh my gosh like this is my body is falling apart and I can tell that it's because of these things like I can tell it's because of drinking or I can tell you know like I could tell that I wasn't recovering from things or but it wasn't until I was way old like older that I was like oh crap like this is a thing I can't I don't know but um I just think maybe it's harder for some people to hear that or feel that yeah I think that it probably just has to do with like you know what you what you want to listen to really would you you like if somebody was like I don't know what you're talking about would you what would you recommend you were like okay well do this and kind of listen to your body like like to connect yeah yeah so it's interesting I mean always meditation I love meditation but it you know I've practiced meditation for like many years but really like not um, in the extent that I do now, you know, and not that I practice meditation all the time, but now I'm just a little bit more serious about it. Like I will really, you know, sit with myself and really like pay attention to what's happening, like with my emotions and like how my body feels. And there's actually this exercise that I do when I'm having like really like anxious, like circular thoughts and I just like try really hard to like bring myself back to like reality by like connecting with my physical body and like like saying to myself like you know is there pain anywhere in your body is the way that you're sitting uncomfortable or are you you know short of breath or are you warm are you cold I don't know I just try and you know really bring it back to my physical and that usually helps me with my anxiety so I don't know maybe that's like a double whammy there and then when you're like constantly checking in with yourself you're more aware of something that's like triggering you yeah yeah yeah, absolutely 
that's awesome. Well, I guess I wanted to ask a follow-up question to when the ad that you saw on Instagram. So was it for like the Herbal Academy? Is yeah. that what it was for? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> school so much and there's there's so many good schools out there and I really like you know the one that I saw was for the herbal academy but I looked into other schools before I chose the herbal academy and um I like I I really chose the herbal academy for myself like uh, because first of all, I loved the way that they did their layout. I did a, a free course through them first, just to make sure that I liked it. And, uh, just the way that they set up all of their, um, courses and stuff was really easy to read. And the information was really thorough and, um, and it built like, you know, sometimes those online courses, they just hit you with so much and you're like I can't do this right but, or it's not like complete yeah no it's it's interesting because they do like um you know instead of like purchasing like an entire like I don't know eight courses or whatever you purchase course by course yeah basically. Oh, that's awesome yeah so it was financially a lot better choice for me also because you know I didn't have to come up with like five grand right in the right. beginning yeah right <laughs> so that was really nice well you and can do like monthly payments too right like you yeah. can either buy a lump sum you can take it month by month yeah because I checked it out I have not heard of this I'm gonna look it up now it's great and they do small courses too like if you're maybe like wanting to do something not so um, like say you, you're Intense. not, yeah, yeah, you can do like, um, they do just like skin care courses, like botanical skincare courses or like around Valentine's day, they'll do like aphrodisiac herb courses, you know, they're like $50 or something. So it's like, it's so, it's such a good way to like dip your toes in and kind yeah, of learn some cool, cool stuff. That's nice. So then what, which ones have you done? So, um, I did their, beginning course and then I just finished their introductory course and I'm on to their intermediate course now and then I have like an herbal preparations course and a foraging course and stuff like smaller offshoot ones that I've done but like the you know they have like the introductory the intermediate and the I think it's like their entrepreneur one or something but yeah they have like three main courses and I'm on their second one right now Awesome. Yeah. It's very cool. Really exciting. Yeah, it's on my list. I have I keep a, a list of classes that I'm gonna take. Yes. She's in the dirt one right now. Yeah. So. The aligning in one. <laughs> yeah, I gotta finish that before yeah. I get another one. That's awesome. I wanna take something that like has to do like permaculture sometime. Yeah. There's so many there's so much good information out there, you know? People there's have so much cool to courses. learn. Yeah. yeah. It's not just Yeah, it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of that, have you read any books or is there any other really good sources that you go to for your herbalism? Yeah, so I, I mean, I have like probably more herbal books than I do anything else. Um, I like... When I, when I found herbalism, or rather when herbalism found me, I like started just buying every beautiful herb book that I could find, you know, like I'd get online and I'd be like, which one can I afford today? (laughs) And I still have a whole list of books that I want to buy. But, um, and then of course, you know, just through thrift shopping and stuff like that, I just find those and bring them home. I have a really cool one. Um, by Culpepper, which is a really famous herbalist from like, I don't know, you know, 
ages ago. And uh, so his information is a little bit outdated, but it's just, it's really a beautiful book to read because, you know, he gets a little bit more into like the, the intuition with, of the plant and like the, the character of the plant and stuff like that rather than the science of it. So it's kind of cool to read those ones too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So have you, this is, this is on my book list to read the, I can't remember if it's like the consciousness of plants. I haven't, but that sounds really interesting. I would totally be into that. It's on my list. (laughs) Well, because you know, in herbalism, you, I don't know what that book was about, but, um, like a lot of, uh, you know, podcasts, um, or I mean, just places that I read and, you know, other herbalist teachers that I listen to, they will talk about sitting with a plant and meditating with the plant and, you know, trying to like speak to the plant. I mean, there's people who say that plants speak back to them. That hasn't like happened to me yet. You know, not like, yet. I yeah, love that. Yeah, I really, you're like, I'm nope, open I'm for it. <laughs> but like, um, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely had feelings from, from, um, areas before. Like I've definitely, like if I go out to wild forage somewhere, usually I'll like, like, uh, if I find like a patch of mullein or something, I'll sit and I'll be like, you know, like, can I harvest here? Is this a safe place to harvest? And I've, you know, had feelings like, nah, don't take these ones. And so I don't. And, but I mean, like, I don't know what that is. You know, it's just a feeling. So <laughs> have you ever read, read the book, uh, braiding sweetgrass? Just going to ask that. That feels very, yeah, braiding it's sweetgrass. one of my favorite books, <laughs> but she like talks about how, um, one of the like the traditional way to harvest is you need to ask the plant if it's all right and if it says no you need to walk away like and how um she was talking about how when people don't do that and when they don't abide by those rules that's when there's the over harvesting and that's when they take critical like you know like the oldest or the one that's actually producing and stuff like that and so yeah it gives me goosebumps thinking about that yeah those are the things that i feel like we've kind of lost Lost, you know, right. in, in culture, but like yeah, for we sure. feel like we're so entitled to all of it. Like yeah. it's just, it's there for us right. to use. And it was, it's just such an interesting when you step back and you're like, no. And I also have this, uh, it's just like a little book on sage. And she was just talking mainly about harvesting sage. And she was just like, you know, it's a sacred plant. And for like, you know, sometimes they have ants on them to stop you from taking them. Like you are not supposed to be harvesting from this plant and it will do what it wants to do to keep you from it. And she was like, so it's so critical that you learn how to tune into that. And I'm always like, Oh, that's so, I'm going to try and do it. But then I'm always like with people and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do it. talk to these plants yeah isn't that a bummer though that that's the norm because how great would that be if we were able to like feel comfortable in like just being in a symbiotic like harmonious relationship with nature you know because yeah I mean like nature is so in tune with each other because it lives like such simple lives you know and like so it's really easy for plants and animals and you know soil and everything happening to be able to like you know they 
they communicate in yeah. their way. Oh, However yeah. they're doing it, they're communicating. And we just haven't, we, we haven't figured out yeah. how to do that well, yet. Science, some of us, I guess. Yeah, and science can prove it. Yeah. You know, like, especially when, like, you know, one side of the forest is on fire and then they'll send out the signal through all the roots and the other trees will start releasing the resin to prepare for the fire because they're like, it's coming. Like, they're all talking to each other. They can prove it. Like, they can they can just totally prove that it's all there and they're all talking to each other. And we're like, that's nuts. I know. What is that? Why do we... Yeah, why do we do that? Or why do we feel like we're not a part of that? Yeah. That's the, the other question, too, is, like, when did we feel like we evolved out of that? Because we evolved right alongside of it. And it's just weird that at some point we were like, we're not a part of this mess. <laughs> we're going to go live in the brick houses and not have anything to it's do It's that, with like, this. industrial age yeah. and same time when, you know, modern medicine was happening and all that stuff. You know, we just started... Yeah, we started like convenience and figuring out, you know, how to use everything for our bettering. And like, I mean, you can't fault them for wanting to do those things. You know, we have like a consciousness uh, that that like, you know, we can't like have like a human conversation with nature really. And so like, you know, of course, like a lot of us would maybe think like we are superior or whatnot, but I don't know. It's sad that we kind of lost that. Yeah. I was listening to a a podcast where he was saying that we're not disconnected because you can't disconnect from something that you want, like are, Mm -hmm. he was like, we've disassociated. And he was like, just changing the way you think about that, that you're connected. You just have to reassociate. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting way to think about it. That is a good way to think about it. Because like, you can't be disconnected. Like we literally are earth like that sounds so like no it's true but like you just changed my life (laughs) (laughs) you did but it's like even just that's why i've really gotten interested in like food and the herbs and all that stuff because like we eat every day you eat like what three times a day probably more whatever you drink water every day like you're putting in your body stuff that is grown from the soil like it's all a natural cycle like you can't be disconnected from that yeah. like it's just it's not but you need to reassociate with that well and the further that we get away from that connection to that's when we're seeing more illness and more disease and you know it's yeah it's just it's getting worse <laughs> and that's when the systems override what nature can handle too like we're just seeing it with everything with all of our systems and processes because we're just so disassociated from that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. I got it. <laughs> All right. Um, so where do you uh, source your herbs? I try to grow as many of my own herbs as I can um, just because, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, like, important for me as an herbalist to know exactly, like, you know, where my herbs are coming from, how they've been treated, and how the land has been treated, and um, not to mention, like, it's just so special to be able to, like, you know, work with a plant from, like, seed to fruit, and then, like, use it. Um, but so if, but if I, if I don't have enough or I wasn't able to grow that plant or like, um, some of my plants like echinacea, 
you shouldn't use like the first year's harvest. You only want to use it once it's in its second year. So there are some things that I do like outsource. And when I outsource, um, right now I've been outsourcing from Mountain Rose Herbs. And uh, they, the reason why I chose them is just because they're affiliated with uh, Herbal Academy. So it was really easy for me. Like, you know, Herbal Academy has done a lot of background on them. They work with them. And um, they have, you know, all the information for you when you sign up and stuff. Um, and also a student discount. So that was really oh, nice. nice. <laughs> They're a really good company. I've looked yeah. at them. Yeah. I think they run off like renewable energy and they try and do everything like as sustainably sourced as possible mm-hmm. like they're really good yeah and they're just in tune you know which is really nice but um there's also so many other good farms too there's like one called like Oshala Farms and uh Black Locust Farms those are two that like I considered uh outsourcing from and maybe will in the future too like sometimes Mountain Rose doesn't have everything that I'll need you know so um, and then also I love to wild forage. Like if I can find it in my own backyard, that's where I'm going to go get it. You know, just because I think that that's, I mean, just that's like so beautiful to just be able to like use a plant that, you know, is just grown in your own backyard kind of a thing. So off of that, like what plants can you find here, in, here? in Southern Utah? So there's, there's actually a ton of medicinal herbs that you can wild forage here but um maybe not so many that are like really utilized a ton in like our modern western herbalism but that's actually a goal of mine like I really really want to get like way more local with my medicine and um but first I felt like it was like I owed it to herbalism to really learn you know the background and the um other ways of doing things but Yeah, I would really like to get more into uh, our desert herbalism. And, like, use, like, what the indigenous tribes here would have used. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just, and and it's not like, you know, it's not like something that is well or widely practiced. And I think that it's just such a, like, miss on our part because, the desert is so special. Like our environment is rough and, and there are like a ton of plants out there that are just thriving and making it through. And I know that they're, they've, you know, like they're strong, potent medicine because of that, you know, because of the environment that they have to survive through. But, um, so some of my favorites that you can go and forage here are like creosote or chaparral. That's the beautiful green bush with like tiny little green leaves on it that are kind of sticky and it blooms yellow flowers. smells like desert rain. So good. (laughs) My husband says it smells like IFA. Yeah. He's like, it smells like IFA. I'm like, oh my gosh. Stop it. That is so funny. But yeah. But, um, and then there's also like Akatillo, which are those like really Yeah, what would you do with Akatillo? You know, I wish that I could tell you off the top of my head, but there is so much that I still have to learn about a lot of our desert herbs because, yeah, they're, like I said, like they're not really widely used in in Western herbalism. So like the 
the information that I have found on it is like I have to really dig through yeah the internet to find stuff so but what I'd really like to do is eventually work with like maybe like a medicine woman from a tribe and I've been reaching out to some people and if anyone knows anyone (laughs) that'd be really cool yeah (laughs) but um and then there's like Globe Malo has medicinal properties and the juniper berry. That's one that I do use um, in my products right now. And that one is like really good for like digestion and UTIs. It like really pushes, it's like a detoxifier, you know, it really cleans your system out. Um, and there's also wild mullein grown around. That one's really good for like your respiratory. The mullein that I have in my product has been wild foraged off of Pine Valley Mountain. And that's like a, yeah, it, it's a respiratory support. So it'll help like kind of support and clean out your lungs, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, and your digestive formula sold out. So. I know. <laughs> I know. And it's such a bummer because that one is, those are a little bit harder to make. So I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to have more of that in the shop but yeah they are you have to um you can only harvest the berries like every two years per plant you know and like yeah so and and then once you do harvest them I mean we know how dense they are you know like they're like tiny little I mean they're cones they're like tiny little pine cones you know like really really tight and dense and so it takes quite a long time for them to dry and then to tincture them takes another six weeks and so it's like it's quite a process that juniper that digestive tincture (laughs) I know the minute I saw it I was like oh I want to try that because I think that actually I would venture to say that most Americans have digestive issues. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Number one issue, yeah. I think. And so when I saw it, I was like, ooh, I'm going to buy that. And literally the day that we listed it, <laughs> that like three of them, boom, out oh, yeah. the door. I was like, oh, dang. Yeah, but, that's one that I take daily. I oh, love that's cool. That. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it makes me pee a lot because it's, <laughs> you know, it's a diuretic. It like really pushes stuff out. But yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of information. But how, do, but how does your stomach feel? <laughs> so good, honestly. Honestly, since I've been taking it, I'm, I'm serious. I It's crazy. It's been, yeah, it's been really nice. Not to mention like, yeah, like, you know, when you eat too much and you have that like really heavy feeling in your stomach I have not had that at all since I started taking my digestive tincture and you know to be honest I don't know if those like you know if that's the reason why or whatnot but it's been really interesting to kind of like feel the effects so why is where and how herbs are sourced important yeah so I mean I think that it's important because it's important because I mean, for so many reasons, but like, for example, um, you have some herbs that grow really close, like to the highway and stuff, and they love to clean the air. And so they'll pull in all of those, like, you know, fumes from vehicles. And yeah, so if you source that, you're just kind of getting those toxins with the plant also. So like ones to watch out for, like St. John's wort or plantain. So, um, you know, like those young living farms, Mm -hmm. like that are right by the highway. highway. Yeah. You know, I have thought about that before and I'm not sure why they do that, to be honest. (laughs) But maybe, you know, it could also just be like maybe the type of plant that they're growing. Like maybe they don't, you know, 
detoxify the air like some plants do. And so, you know, I'm sure that they've probably thought about those things, but yeah. Yeah, I always thought that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Why would they do that? (laughs) But like, also, I think that it's just important to know that like the people that you're sourcing herbs from, you know, they're doing it sustainably and they're doing it in connection with their land and, you know, um, you know, that they are using like healthy water and healthy soil because, you know, you're going to put that into your body as medicine, especially. So, you know, it's, it's important to know where they're coming from. And it's so weird to hear you talk about like how people care so much about herbs. And then I just think like, but then they'll eat at Taco Bell. I know. <laughs> I know it's true. Like, and, oh, you know, I, I can't even say like, that I don't either. Yeah. You know, like I, I've, I'm totally victim to our like convenient society. Like, you know, I've, I've totally gone through the drive through and, and I do too. But I just think it's so funny that we have this crazy standard for some things and then we're like, yeah, Taco yeah. Bell. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's but true. That's hard. That's, yeah, that's right? hard. It's just like, oh crap. <laughs> we do what we can. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you got to get the best herbs to make up for your crappy food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you kind of covered some of this, but what is your basic process like for harvesting herbs and making tinctures and salves and bo- like, if you were gonna start from harvest to end product what would you like what is the timeline what does that look like yeah so if I was like doing like a wild forage for something like you know usually I'll go out and kind of like scout an area and make sure that I know where I'm at and where I'm gonna forage from because not only like are there laws around it like you know there are some places that you can't forage but also like I just want to make sure that you know I I know where I'm going and that I have a plan and so um yeah I think it's really important to just know like what herb you're going for and to have a plan for it when you return home. Because, you know, once you've removed a plant from its life source, like you have to kind of work a little quickly with it. You know, like most plants I take home and I dry, but there are a few rare plants that you can uh, craft with while they are still fresh. Like St. John's wort specifically, um, you work with fresh because once you dry it, like you, you, you lose some of the medicinal properties. And um, California poppy is another one that you can work with fresh. Um, you don't have to like uh, St. John's wort, but um, but it is one that you can work with fresh. And um, and I have. Um, but the majority of herbs, yeah, I take home and then I'll I'll hang them up to dry. And I just make sure that I get them like really thoroughly dried. Like I don't want any moisture in there um, because. You know, depending on what kind of like herbal preparation I'm doing uh, to have any kind of moisture can breed like bacteria and stuff. So, yeah. So do you like do you put them in like a dehydrator or you you're like, nope, I like the air, the slow dry. Yeah. Yeah. I hang them. I like the way that it looks. I like the way that it feels. It just feels really traditional to me. And 
and yeah, it's not, it's like a, like you said, like a slow process and yeah, it's a nice connection, but, but yeah, so I hang them and, um, not outside or in the sun or anything. I mean, I hang them in my kitchen. So, you know, they do get a little bit of sunlight, but not like direct sunlight. And that's important. And then once they are dried thoroughly, then I can go about like processing them. So depending on what I'm using, like if it's rosemary, you know, I'll, I'll just like kind of pull off all the little sprigs or whatever, you know, and like, and throw the stem and, um, you know, same most plants, most plants, I just am like pulling off the leaves, but there are some like stems that get in there, which is fine too. Like they, they also hold medicinal, uh, properties, but, but yeah, but um, you're doing it all by hand. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Really cool. All by hand. And then, and then usually like either I like crunch them or I like mortar and pestle just depending on like the amount that I'm making you know yeah yeah so that's really cool <laughs> yeah but yeah you're and doing then, it all slow by hand yeah it's like I mean yeah it's it's like meditation in itself really you know and it's then then I also know like you know what is happening exactly with the medicine that I'm going to be giving to people you know and um and then once I've got it like the dry leaf processed that way then depending on what I'm doing with it like if I tincture it I'll put it in a jar and and put my menstruum in there which I right now I'm using an Everclear um alcohol like a grain alcohol I also use like a like an organic apple cider vinegar but you can do honey um glycerin that's like maybe a little bit more for like your kids and stuff because it, you know, makes it sweeter. Um, and other vinegars too, but, um, but yeah. And then if I'm doing like an herbal oil, then, you know, I'll put it all, I, I do it much like the tinctures like I let it macerate with the oil for for four weeks Wow. yeah unless I'm doing like a quick one then you can also do it on the stove but you have to be really really careful with this because you don't want to heat up the plant too hot otherwise you can destroy yeah so, um, so I, when I do it on the stove, I just like, I put it at a really, really sl- like, uh, low heat setting and I keep it below like 120, 130 degrees. And I let it sit for like eight hours on my stove. Yeah. And, and then I just like stir it like once every 30 minutes to an hour, you know, and, and, um, and then I'll strain them, whether I do it the stove method or just like the traditional folk method in the, in the jar. I just strain it. And then, um, if I'm doing like a salver balm, that's when I add in, you know, the beeswax or the shea butter and all that other yummy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But most of your ones that you do are slow, right? You don't really do a lot of the heated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, this last time I did use the stove method, but right now what I have sitting at home is that like the slower folk method. And that was only with, um, 
only with the balm and the salve that I have. Yeah, everything else, like the the tinctures, those you can't do that on the stove. Um, it's just oils that you can that you can use the stove method with. So that's cool. I didn't know that. So it sounds like there's a lot of time that goes into making tinctures and tea blends. Yeah, you know it's interesting because like it's it's a lot of like waiting period. You know, like you really have to like plan ahead and know what you're what you want the outcome of because like it's a lot of letting your herb macerate in its menstruum and then you know getting to that point but and then menstruum is just like what you add it to right like yeah. that can be anything like any yeah. kind of oil or the oil the alcohol or the, the alcohol, vinegar okay. honey you can make like herbal honeys I need to try that. Someone told me to do oregano honey or like oregano syrup with honey in it for colds or Mm -hmm. something. Yeah, it's really antiviral. I need to try that. Yeah. That's on my list. (laughs) Oregano is one of those ones that's serious. Like you can use too much of it real fast. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. That's just my experience with oregano is it just comes out of nowhere and bites you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, it has a lot of volatile oils in it. You know, which is where you get those like antiviral properties from. And so, uh, like if you're using like the essential oil, I know that it can like actually burn your mouth, (laughs) you know, you had to be careful, but that's like, if you're like dropping it directly on your mouth, you know, I think that's probably why like the practice of essential oils, like they tell you to use a carrier oil when you're doing something. So, but, um, but yeah, so I think an oregano honey would be amazing actually. Well, you come over. I literally have so much oregano. It's out of control. <laughs> Take as much as you want. Yay. Never be sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't made it yet. It's only, oh. I, I want to, but. Yeah, all you gotta do is just dry that oregano and put it in the honey and then wait for a month. <laughs> oh, really? And then yeah. would you heat it up to get, to strain it? Or you just. Um, I wouldn't even strain it to oh, be honest really? when it yeah with the honey I mean I haven't made any yet and maybe if I made some like for people to purchase then maybe I would strain it but in my own home apothecary like I wouldn't even strain out the oregano I would just eat I would eat the honey with the plant so you would take like the leaves off the stem stick it in the honey or would you leave the leaves totally. on the stem yeah huh. yeah I would totally yeah I mean it's like you know <laughs> Okay, well, maybe I'll have to try that before flu season kicks in. Yeah. COVID season. Yeah. It's a virus, virus too. (laughs) That's true, yeah. We all just get oregano honey and we're fine. (laughs) We found the cure, guys. It's another good one for, like, uh, this, like, flu season coming up is, like, the fire cider. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of that? Oh, my gosh. That's a, that's a big one in their herbal culture, you know, and I, I really want to make one for the shop. So we'll see what's going to I like, I actually, so I've been for like years trying to figure out fire cider because it's always just so rough. And then finally last year we all got together and we made some, and it was the first time that I was like, okay, I'm going to take this every morning and I'm going to take it every night. And I was like, cause it's supposed to help your stomach and it's supposed to make you feel better and blah, 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 blah blah and I remember we were texting back and forth and all of us were just like 
I, I can't even drink a shot because it makes me feel drunk. Like we start burning and flushing and I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. And, but I made it through like two months of doing it. Wow. And it was like incredible. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, I can start to feel a difference. And then I got pregnant and I couldn't take it anymore because I was like, yeah. I can't do this. But every time I wake up and see the jar of it, because I still have jars of it, I'm like, that's the, I just need to start taking it again. But yeah. it's like so hard to take when you're pregnant. But it's really, it is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's something about herbal medicine is that like if you're going to an herbalist clinically to see somebody because you want, you know, like a health fix, like you really have to be diligent in taking the medicine because herbal medicine works slowly, you know? I mean, you do have some like really incredible fast working herbs like comfrey, but that's like topical, you know? Um, but, but yeah, most medicine will definitely work really slowly in your system. So to tonify it and actually like, you know, really like fix the the years, balance years damage, yeah because yeah, you can have some things you know you can fall into allopathic herbalism which is like I think probably what you know we really need to be careful about as like herbalism grows is that like you know we can do just like our modern medicine is doing and we can say like oh you have this ailment or this symptom, I will give you this herb and that's going to fix that symptom. But like the problem with that is that you're not actually fixing, you know, the body. So that, that like what's that causing it. Yeah. 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 So it's like, um, like, especially with skin issues, you see this, like, you know, someone has a rash or something or eczema and they really want like their skin to be clear. So they use something topically, but what they really need to do is, you know, really work on supporting like their inside body systems, like what the liver and stuff will really like affect the way that your skin is looking and whatnot, what happens on the outside. So yeah, that's interesting. Like thinking of everything as it's a symptom and you have to find the cause of that mm-hmm. instead of just treating the symptoms because then the cause doesn't go away. You're just hiding it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the difference between allopathic herbalism and holistic herbalism. And I don't think any herbalist wants to be an allopathic herbalist. It's not the goal, you know, but I think it's easy to fall into because we want to fix people. We want to show them like the magic and the power of herbs, you know, and that's what they want. Yeah. You know, like it's, I think it would be easy to fall into that when you're like, if I don't give them immediate results, they're not going to think that it works. So I'm going to just try and fix what, you know, and then hopefully they'll keep coming back and we can fix some of the other stuff. But I mean, it's, I get it. What's something you wish people who are buying herbal remedies understood? So, um, I mean, yeah, first of all, like we had just been talking about like the difference between allopathic and holistic herbalism, you know, like I think that it's important for people to know that going into a relationship with an herbalist that like your herbalist wants you to not just have the lack of illness, but they want you to have overall well-being. So, you know, they are focused on not only your physical health, but also your mental mental health and your spiritual health, your emotional health, all of those things would not, you know, um, they 
all affect each other, you know? And so they work simultaneously with each other. And so holistic herbalism will, you know, work on all of them. That's really interesting that herbalism focuses on all of those when so many times, you know, people have all those issues, but if they're going to a doctor or if they're going to somebody, they're going to someone who's just going to focus on the one thing. So I think it's great to point out that like, you know, when you're going to an herbalist and when you're like, your goal is to treat it as a whole. Yeah. Because I mean, nowadays with modern medicine, I mean, 95% of your doctors are specialists, you know? So like you have to go to each doctor to see what is happening with my body when all of our body systems they are all working simultaneously and together and interacting with each other and knowing how they do that is part of herbalism it's really really cool how deeply it gets into your body systems and like how deeply it gets into like just the bio like chemistry of what and what the herbal actions do to your insides you know it's really cool like I didn't I didn't know that like I'm always like oh yeah it helps everything and all the things but I mean like I didn't know I, I guess I have actually never talked to like somebody who's an actual herbalist who who is training yeah so it's very interesting yeah I think that it's kind of like a little bit of a lost art you know like yeah there's not many of many herbalists out there now it's becoming bigger and bigger which is really exciting so it's cool to be a part of and I think also it's like important to say that like every single herbalist that I know like they do not hold information hostage nobody wants to do that we want everyone to be an herbalist we want everyone to practice herbalism in their own home or how however they choose to you know but like yeah it's like like you know we want people to know this it's it's your ancestral rights to be working with plant medicine yeah i like that yeah so are you certified to work with, like with people so like could people come to you and you would help them figure so, out what to yeah, take yeah i mean i am technically a certified herbalist um but i think like i wouldn't be quite ready to be like a clinical herbalist um, I would definitely want more training before I did that. But, but also like, I mean, if someone came to me and like, I say that I wouldn't be a clinical herbalist in the sense that like, I'm not going to charge someone to come and do a consultation with me right now, maybe two, three years down the road, that will be part of my plant path, you know? But like right now, if someone came to me with like, you know, they think that they're having liver issues or, you know, they're having chronic headaches or they have this weird rash. Like I would do everything that I could to help them by, um, talking to the other herbalists that I know or doing any kind of research in the, uh, you know, in the classroom setting. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that I'd like a clinical herbalist right now. But is that your plan? That's kind of where you want to progress to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's I would awesome. love to do that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Also, I think it's really important to say that um, not every plant is like a one size fits all for everybody, you know? Yeah. So it's like, 
you know, one, one plant might work for 80 people, but for five people, it might make their symptom worse or something, you know, because of just how they interact with that plant. So it is a little bit of a, you have to go into relationship with it. You have to, you know, like try different things. So you do have to be kind of patient and, and yeah, open-minded to it. That's interesting. I'd be curious. I don't, so I've heard that I wonder if this would be the same with herbs is like your DNA would make a difference on what you'd react to based on where your ancestry came from. Because like with, um, dairy and then gluten, they've done like DNA research and like the people who can handle dairy are usually from their ancestral origins had like goats and cows and they drink the milk so their body can process it or like if you never ate wheat like your ancestry never ate wheat you have a problem handling like the gluten and the wheat like a lot of people in like central and south america they're used to corn not wheat so like when they start eating like all the processed wheat like it caused a lot of problems with their health because like they just didn't know how to handle it like and so i wonder if anyone's done research on people's reactions to herbs if it would make a difference if they use herbs based on like their ancestral bioregion i don't know yeah no that's actually so interesting that you say that because i I learned this last year too about tropical fruits like you know like bananas and stuff can like mess up like your gut if you didn't have like ancestral roots where bananas grew but it's like an enzyme that you need to break it down and like you would have bacteria in your gut to break it down and we wouldn't have that because we don't live there yeah yeah that's really interesting i've actually never seen any research like that um in herbalism but it wouldn't surprise me if it's out there though you know because i've also had that thought with even if you do like the whole bioregional thing where you're living now sourcing everything bioregionally because like i think about um like skincare, like I switched to using jojoba yeah. because I can get that from Arizona, which is a similar climate to here in Southern Utah. So it like makes sense to me that that plant would provide what my skin needed to handle the desert. But then maybe like if I live somewhere that's more humid, then maybe coconut oil would work because that's what's grown in that climate. Like, I don't know. That's just kind of like what I've been thinking about more recently. And I think that that's totally like, that's like intuition. That's what that gut feeling that we were talking about. You know, those are the things that like, you kind of make that connection because you're like, oh yeah, (laughs) I don't know. But what I can't find is a local plant that makes like um like the butter, like the cocoa butter, or the shea butter. I can't find anything that I, I can find locally to make anything like that. I'll have to keep an eye out. I use shea butter. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, I, I think too, like, like there's probably nothing wrong with using other like bioregion plants or whatever. Right. You know, I just think it'd be cool. Like I would just wonder what all. people used for to suit that purpose. And I can't find anything. Yeah. They might have, this is when I think that they cross and like, cause tallow, like they used to use like the the animal fat. Yeah, that's true. You know, in the soaps and and everything. Like they, if, if a, you know, if they killed an animal, every part of that got used. Every part, like none, none of it went away. So we should use buffalo fat. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I, it is. It is not doing it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just getting. I'm not gonna do that with you. I'll watch. <laughs> yeah. There's something different about it being like you know, like uh, 
animal versus plant. Yeah. You know? There's probably another way to like, you would have to like store it and everything too. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I've thought about trying to use, um, yucca because I guess that makes like a like a soapy yeah. but I don't know if that would work I just I'm trying to find like a buttery I wonder substance. if you like whipped up aloe enough you know like kind of like how egg whites yeah. turn into I wonder I, I've tried I've looked up like aloe butter and they all add something else but I don't know I kind of just want to experiment and just get some stuff and see what I can come up with that's but, beautiful I love that I don't know it's on the I'm list sure she yeah, yeah we should talk her and figure that out that would be really awesome. I think that'd be a fun project. Yeah. It's on the list. Cool. Oh yeah, okay. So what's something that's been a surprise for you since you started Desert Roots? I think just like how quickly it all kind of like happened, honestly. Like, I mean when I first started it, I like went into it with this like plan to just you know really take things like slowly and like I'm like the kind of girl usually that like I like make a plan and I'm like I'm gonna make this happen tomorrow (laughs) but like when it came to Desert Roots I was like okay I really want to take this like slowly and just like really enjoy it the process of it and although it's still been you know kind of slow it's been like a year it's like just seems like it's going by so fast are you a Pisces I'm Gemini oh weird (laughs) (laughs) but you know what when it comes to like astrology there's like you know all the 12 houses because I'm I'm a Gemini and that doesn't sound like me at all but that sounds a lot like Meg and my husband they're like I just want to enjoy the process and go slow like she's Pisces it was new for me it was really new for me with herbalism it was just like I was like yeah I'm going to like really take this in you know because I just felt so connected to it like it was like the first time where I was like like I just felt like it totally aligned with like what I was supposed to be doing and I was like okay now like now that I've found it I need to know that like this can be five ten year process for me and I need to like be comfortable with that you know right so you're like now that you found the thing you want to do for the rest of your life you're like I'm cool with it taking the rest of my life exactly yeah (laughs) yeah feel that way about weaving yeah. I get it okay I was like I don't understand that at all <laughs> but even with weaving I'm like no I want to know how to do it now <laughs> so well that's what I that's I run into that I want to learn everything right then yeah. right now yeah. and then if I don't it kind of bums me out I'm like man I, I don't know everything about this that's yeah. sad yeah that's that is that's like really hard I think that that was like a huge hurdle for me to get over um was just like how vast herbalism is and I just wanted to know everything you know especially like once I started the apothecary in the business like I felt like I was like, oh my gosh, am I like a fraud if I don't know everything, you know, am I, I'm putting myself out there and like, you know, I don't have the answer for everything and is that okay? And I think that it like was, I mean, I, you know, I still deal with it. I go into slums where I'm like, I'm not good enough, <laughs> but, um, but I think like it was a really like 
beautiful thing for me to realize that like I am like approaching this with like a lot of care and a lot of passion and like I really want to um you know I want to help people and like I'm okay with not always having the answer now you know like like I know how big it is and I know that like I would rather tell somebody I don't know the answer to that but I will do everything that I can to find it for you and then and then I'll go find it, you know, yeah. rather than be like, oh, yeah, just take this herb. <laughs> or waiting. Yeah. Like waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, I, never taking any action. I'm really surprised at how many people say that same thing when they're like, it's just a matter of doing it when you're not ready. Yeah. You know, like they're just like, you have to do it. And that's what gets you ready. And that's what keeps you growing as you're doing it. But I'm always surprised, like always, because I'm just like, oh yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Why do we have to do the scary thing? (laughs) One thing that I always think of is like, because I get that way too. Like I want to know everything about everything, but I don't think any one person is supposed to have all the information because that forces you to be in community. Like if one person could know it all, why would they ever want to talk to anybody else? Well, maybe that's just me, but no, it's true. I totally feel that. As soon as I get all the information, I'm not talking to any of you guys again. Isolating myself in the middle of the forest. No. But like I think that's why we need to have like community connection because if we're not supposed to know it all, right? Because then that's totally I like you are totally isolated. It takes yeah. a village. Yep, it takes yeah. a village. How boring would it be if you knew everything? Oh, geez, yeah. it's like so much fun to not know things. <laughs> I mean, to learn things. Yeah. yeah. What motivates and inspires you to do this work? I think just like, I think just to help people, you know, like I, like, like we were talking about earlier, like I went to school for psychology and then nutrition and eventually like I even got like my physical, what's that like a trainer, personal personal trainer certification. Like I've just always been really interested in just like, you know, like helping people feel their very best because like, I know that it's like there and I don't think that people realize like how good they're supposed to feel. They are designed to feel wonderful. And most of us live with so much pain that we don't even realize. Right. So, and then also of course, like, I mean, on another level, like I really, really want to just like have like a really special connection with mother nature, you know, and like our earth, like I just, I think that it's so lost and, and, and I think it's really important to have. And, and I think herbalism is like the best way to do with that, you know, or at least one of the best ways, I guess. (laughs) So what's something that you failed at and what'd you learn from it? Uh, so I like totally live my life by the, uh, who was it? I think it's like Edison, my boyfriend and I talk about this all the time that like there's, uh, you know, I didn't fail 99 times. I learned 99 times or 99 ways not to make a light bulb or whatever it is. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, I don't really think that I've like had any failures. I would say like, you know, I've definitely like learned some things and I'm sure that I will have other lessons along the way. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not out of the thick of it, you know, (laughs) but like, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just learning. 
What's your biggest success then? And what did you learn from that? <laughs> Dude, biggest success is definitely like starting the line and being here in the store. Like that, it just blows my mind that that is happening right now. It's really, really cool to, yeah, to have, to have my products like available to people and to be like, you know, at a storefront. I mean, I thought that was years and years in my future. So that's been really exciting. Well, that's a pretty fast process too. I mean, all in one year, like that's amazing. Well, what surprises me and I, I'm not just saying this because you're here and I'm not just saying it because you're in my store, um, is it's only been a year and your line is so well developed. Like every, like everything about the line, like the way it looks, the way it's packaged, the way it's worded, the way it's phrased, the way it's presented, like you're like it, it, you're really ahead of the curve, like working with small brands and that being my passion, like it usually takes two or three seasons of being out there selling it to be like, okay, I've got to evolve it to look like this. Okay. I'm going to work like this. And you have come like, bam, straight out the gate with like this really beautiful line. And I think that just speaks to your taste and how in tune with what you're doing you really are. Thank you. Yeah. It's really incredible. Honestly, that is a really kind of thing. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I, but I mean, I mean it. (laughs) I'm like, we, I talk about it with everybody that comes in the store. I'm like, I, it blows me away. Like it's, it's beautiful stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, and while we're on that, is there future products that you're really excited about that you want to add soon? I have like a list. You know, I have a list, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, we talked about the fire cider a little bit, and I definitely want to do some things that are really like antiviral going into flu season and stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not positive exactly yet what's going to happen. I know that there's like some tweaks and stuff that I want to do, but I was kind of looking to see what the response would be like to what happened with the first launch. And then I'm hoping to add new products seasonally at least, you know, but, um, I, I know that I'm going to be working with Chaparral really soon. So, um, and whether that be like, um, like skincare wise or maybe tincture. Um, I'm not positive, but I know that I want to work with that plant. So, and I think that's brilliant. I think it's great to have just like, like a good basic solid line. Um, cause I mean, it's not based. I mean like, that's just such a word you know, basic, you have already a very expansive line of stuff. And that's a good thing to offer. Just always having those. And then your seasonal stuff, because I think it's so you've picked like big problems that people have, like unwinding digestion, immune, like energy. And you address those core issues that everybody's having problems with. Absolutely. That was totally the plan going into it for sure. Just because like, yeah, before I had any, you know, like clients or whatever you would customers, um, 
I wanted to just address things that I knew that most everybody was dealing with, you know, but then like now, you know, like my, my boyfriend has like a really bad, like rotator cuff. And so I'm going to put something together for that. And I'll probably offer that in the shop, maybe some kind of salve or maybe something more internal. I'm not sure yet. And then like my housemate, she's got like liver problems and so I really want to do like a liver tonic for her and I'll offer that in the shop too and so like you know the more the more that it kind of like you know the more in depth that I get with customers and clients then I'll be able to offer those things but yeah they once you workshop them a little bit yeah it's a very I like that it's just going to be an organic process for you you're like as I learn how to treat the liver I will make a liver product (laughs) like I like that That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's very good. All right, we on our final questions. All right, lightning round. What makes Utah special? Everything. I love Utah, honestly. I really do. I love it so much. I'm so happy my parents brought me here. When I was a kid, I was like, what the heck? I got to get out of this place. But then it's, you know, once I became an adult, I was like, I'm crazy. Go back to Utah. (laughs) But um, no, I mean, I love, I love, southern Utah specifically you know it's just so beautiful here we have like the best weather and um yeah but uh I think just like earlier if we want to get more like herb involved like yeah just I think that our plants are really special here and need to be worked more you know just because I think that they are they're tough which means they will be potent and that's going to be beautiful I agree What's your favorite part about the Mofaco community? Um, well, I think like just being involved with other like makers and artists and like, yeah, just like connecting with people who are talented and, um, you know, just creating that network of community, I think is so important. And it's been so, um, we've been so separated from that for so long and like as a, you know, as a whole. And so it's like really exciting to have something like that here in Southern Utah happening. Okay. We kind of mentioned this about the books that you got for the herbalism, but do you have any other favorite books, publications or social media accounts you find inspirational or profound? Um, oh my gosh. I listen to so many podcasts, but honestly, since I like, I haven't been working uh, at my, you know, corporate job because of COVID. And that's where I really listened to a lot of podcasts. And I've just been so busy with the apothecary lately that I haven't been listening to as many. But um, one of my very favorites, and it is, it includes herbalism, but it is so much more than just herbalism. And it's called Mythic Medicine. And it's by a girl... um, I believe Amber Magnolia Hill and she just yeah she just really brings on some really incredible people there too um I think just talk about like you know spiritual awakenings and plant path and um yeah just some really interesting stuff that really just kind of opens up my mind so I like that one um, and you know what? I'm sorry. I think I might have said the podcast wrong. It might be Medicine Stories, but like her her um, her business, I think, is Mythic Medicines. Like her, 
So I think the podcast is medicine stories though. I'm sorry. No, that's totally I'll have to okay. check that. <laughs> that's awesome. I was going to Google it, but then I was like, oh, I'll just finish the questions. Okay. Why should people buy local food and support local farmers markets or farmers and makers? Wow. So many reasons. There's so many, um, like first of all, environmentally, like it's just so responsible to, purchase local because you know I mean I'm sure everyone knows these things but like fuel um you know and deforestation and everything like that when you're like buying into like big companies um so when you buy local you don't have to you know, support those kinds of things. Um, and then you also have, of course, like your economical impact, which is really important too. You are putting your money into the pockets of your neighbors and of the kids that go to school with your kids and into your community. And that's just like really special. And then also like you just know where your things are coming from. You know, you get to have a face with the product and like you get to meet the people who are, you know, growing and picking and processing the food that you're going to put on your plates for your kids. And, um, and I mean, yeah, that's farmers, but like also like, you know, artists when it comes to stuff like that, like it's just, it's so special to have that story in your house even, you know, like it's just so, it's, yeah, it's special. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's, I don't want to feel like pompous. Pompous isn't the right word, but it's almost like you feel like so much pride I don't even know if that's the right word yeah, no, but like when I like when I like I have my locally made mug and I put the locally roasted coffee in it with <laughs> my local honey and then your spice blend I'm just like this just feels so good yeah like I don't I don't know what I don't know how to describe that it's not like a consumer connection it's like a personal, personal connection yeah. yeah like yeah I know and love everyone that made this for me yeah <laughs> It's so special. Yeah. yeah, it is. I agree. I just want everyone to experience that. Yeah. No, for real, though. That's, like, that's what's so important about, like, such a close community and, like, Mofico, you know, yeah. to bring people like us together so that there's a place where people in our community can come and they can have all of those things in one place. You know, it's so... It's, it, it's and they really, can be a part of community. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, so if listeners want to learn more about all you're doing, how can they find you and your products? So, <laughs> so right now I'm really just on Instagram and I am like selling exclusively through Mofico. So you um, can find me like my, my Instagram handle is desert.roots.apothecary. And um, on there, you can, there's the link to, to get on to the Mofico um, mobile store. Um, or my stuff is also in the brick and mortar shop downtown. And um, 
Yeah, I think that also you can email me and call and text me through my Instagram, I'm pretty sure. So if you need something, or also I always respond to DMs. I'm really active on my Instagram, so it's a really good way to get in touch with me. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> the brick and right. mortar. Is there anything else? Oh, yeah, the brick and mortar. I love it. Just so everybody knows. It's 55 North Main Street, St. George, Utah, 84770. We ship. Yeah. <laughs> That's M-O-F-A-C-O mobile.com. <laughs> but anyway, is okay, so last question. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to share? You know so much honestly but like, <laughs> we're gonna just have to do another episode so another much. time there's so many things to herbalism you know right. but no this is this is a really awesome experience thank you yeah, yeah. Well, maybe thank we'll you. do a seasonal dive with you every that would be, Ooh, that you know, would be cool be like okay advice from the apothecary yeah. for this season yeah we're changing it up I could go into some deep um stuff about like the plants that I'm using and stuff yeah and, and the products and stuff yeah. And, yeah. or like seasonal and like you know you could recommend seasonal things for but you do have the immune tea here yeah I do have the immune tea that's available now and it tastes good too so <laughs> <Dude, real good. laughs> <laughs> alright awesome yeah well, well thank you so much well, for talking with you. us and thank we'll you. be sounds like we're going to be talking to you again very soon yay so. <laughs> thank you If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you found this podcast, especially on iTunes. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask us or our farmers, makers, or educators, send us an email at podcast at mofacoutah.com and let us know. Another way to support this podcast is by becoming a supporting member starting at only $2 a month. We have different levels of membership that grant access to special members-only swag like shirts, hats, bags, magnets, and stickers that show your support for your local community. To learn more, please visit mofacoutah.com slash podcast slash support. Make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram at Mofaco Utah. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in your feed in two weeks. But until then, we hope Hope to to see you at the farmer's market. The music for this episode was created by Southern Utah local Jake Shepard.